And I have just books stashed beside my bed, down by my chair that I like to read in. You know, I have places and strategically put them there because like you said, I can carry my phone around with me or I can pick up a book. This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 89 of the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I'm so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, on this episode of the podcast, I am joined by Abby Wall, my fellow Skolé sister and a very good friend of mine. And we're going to be talking all about making more time for reading as homeschooling moms or just as homeschoolers in general. Anybody can use the things that we're going to be talking about today. And Abby and I talk about why it's important for homeschoolers to read more, why this actually is something that we should be concerned about, um, how to find good books to read, how to find reading reading community, some extra tips and tricks, and one vital mindset shift that Abby has that I think will make a huge difference in building the habits of reading if this is something that you are looking to do in your life. So, so much fun. Now, before we get started with the podcast, I want to tell you that we are always talking about reading and big ideas in the Your Morning Basket community. So if this is something that you think you would enjoy, we would love to have you come over there and join us. We have over 3,500 homeschoolers in our free community, and all you have to do to get in is just request access. We talk about the things that we're reading about. We talk about all aspects of homeschooling and homemaking, and we also talk about the things that we are reading and build each other up and support each other as homeschoolers. So you can find that. We'll put a link to it in the show notes of this episode of the podcast, but you can also find it at members.pambarnhill.com and uh, request access and we will get you right in. So now on with the podcast. Abby Wall is a homeschooling mother of five from 10 to 15 in age, and she has been married to her husband, Matt, for 16 years. When she's not homeschooling her children in the classical and Charlotte Mason philosophy, Abby is busy raising and herding sheep. You may have heard her on the Scully Sisters podcast along with me because she contributes to the discussions over there. And she also manages our private online community, The Sistership, where homeschooling moms can think through, discuss, and share ideas related to homeschooling and self-education. Abby, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Pam. It's good to talk to you today. It is so good to have you on here. I think, well, I know I've had Misty on a couple of times and I've had Brandy on a couple of times and this is the first time having Abby on. Yeah, I've been waiting uh, <laughs> to tell you the truth. And I was expecting a little bit earlier, Pam. So uh, I'm glad you finally put me on the list. I finally, I finally got around to getting you on. So there you go. Well, I am so happy that you are here because um, you are one of my favorite motivators. There are not a lot of people who can motivate me because mostly I just kind of like blow them off. (laughs) (laughs) But Abby is one of these people who can like really motivate me. She'll say something and I'll be like, oh, now I got to do something about that. (laughs) 
Yeah. I'm, I'm the friend you uh, love to hate sometimes. I wouldn't (laughs) say that. I wouldn't say that, but um, I mean it in a, in a like, Oh, I should do that. Abby. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the kick in the pants friend. Yes. Oh yes. The kick in the pants, the kick in the pants. And you know what? A lot of moms really do need a kick in the pants about what we're talking about today. So I wanted to have Abby on because she is the community manager of the Scully sistership. And she is also, you know, my kick in the pants person. I wanted to have her on to talk a little bit about reading for moms and how moms can establish the habit of reading. And I think I want to start this conversation, Abby, with uh, asking you like, so what? Like why? You know, why would a morning time podcast where we're supposed to be talking about, you know, teaching our kids in a homeschool morning time, why is it even important for us to talk about the idea of moms making time for themselves and building their own habit of reading? Oh, well, moms and people in general should be reading, right? We we do read all the time. Um, we just sometimes don't count it. But I do believe that we should be reading really good books. You know, we want our kids to be lifelong learners. And how do we set that example? By being a lifelong learner ourselves. And one of the easiest ways for your children to see you actively learning and loving learning is picking up a book and reading it, and then perhaps even enjoying it. Um, But so often we think, I don't have time. Um, I'm so busy homeschooling. How could I ever read another book? And um, these are just really bad excuses. (laughs) I told you guys, I told you that she was just going to come in and like really convict you. (laughs) But yeah, I think you're right. And I think it was Cindy Rollins who was talking about like your kids need to see you read on an actual book as opposed to just a device. I know that I was really surprised. I had I had a Kindle device and my kids had a Kindle and they would use theirs for, you know, playing Stack the States or, you know, we even did the letter tiles from all about reading on there, or sometimes they would watch videos or different things on their little Kindles. And I had one too. And it wasn't until my youngest said something to me that I realized he thought I was over there watching YouTube on my Kindle, but I was actually reading on mine so that he had no clue, you know? So I thought I was like getting all these great mom points for setting a good example for reading. And I really wasn't at all. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and they see and then they interpret. And unless we're actually telling them I'm reading on my Kindle, it's hard. And even the even then, I think there is a disconnect because we do use devices for other things, too, besides reading. I do think reading on your device is definitely a better choice than, you know, other things. But when yeah. your kids are awake, it's a great time for them to see you actually reading a real book. And I think that's an easy thing to do, you know. So. Yeah. And I definitely started then after he made that comment, I started keeping to make sure there are still some things I prefer to read on the Kindle. But then, uh, you know, I really wanted to make sure that I had some things that I got in real books and not just Kindle versions. So I always had something that I could pick up and read that that they could see me reading. So you hit on something a few minutes ago when you were talking about this. So setting a good example for your kids, but you hit on the fact that moms feel like they don't have time to read. That's right. 
that this is something that's like, you know, I'm right there with you, Pam and Abby. I think it's important. I think I should really set that good example for my kids. But oh my goodness, I have five or six kids and I just I have, you know, laundry to do and the house to clean and three meals to put on the table and the homeschooling to do. And I just don't have time to read. So what do you say to that, mom? I think that you probably have expectations that are set way too high. I think so many people think that unless they can read a book a week or a book a month, even um, that they aren't reading enough, right? Whereas what you really need to do is get into what what, uh, Pam and I were talking about the other day is the many habits of reading. We need to give ourselves a lot more credit for the reading that we are doing, right? Maybe you do check out a book um, from the library, like a cookbook. And instead of just finding a recipe, you actually read some of the interesting things. So that counts as reading. Um, Mm. Maybe you have um, an interesting spiritual devotional that you like to read, but you only get like one or two pages a day. That counts as reading. What we need to do is start giving ourselves credit for the reading we actually do, because I bet we do a lot of reading. Now, a lot of the times our reading is, you know, emails and newsletters uh, that sometimes don't really add much value to our mental or intellectual life. Um, And that's why I think books and maybe even long form essays or articles are so um, are something that we should prioritize. Um, you know, we need to have things for our brains to go to and meditate on and think about when we are doing things like folding laundry and washing dishes and things like that. Um, it's so easy for our thoughts to just wander into endless to-do lists and drudgery. But when we actually have ideas that captivate us, Um, You know, we're so much able to kind of process those things and think about those things when we're doing those mundane tasks that need to be done. So it's not, it's not that we don't have time, but we're not prioritizing it, right? Yeah. We're going around and putting out fires sometimes, but would it really hurt us if we sat down for 15 minutes and read a novel? Would the laundry somehow, would the laundry pile somehow grow exponentially in that 15 minutes? I mean, it's possible, but probably not. Um, Could we start dinner in 10 minutes and sit down and read for 10 minutes before we start dinner? Probably. Um, You know, it's, we need to find these little pockets of time and need to realize that that's actually enough. You know, most of us can read two to three pages of a book in five to 10 minutes, right? Depending on the ease and how much practice we've had, right? That's not a problem. And, you know, most, most books are in the 200, you know, range. And so we can finish, you know, a book a month easily by just reading a couple pages here and there. So I think that giving ourselves credit and finding those little pockets of time because we do have those pockets of time, right? We, we don't, we're not usually 24 hours a day busy. Um, as much as we would like right. to say, oh, I'm just so busy. Yeah, you probably have scrolled your phone. You've probably checked your email more than you've actually needed to. You've probably sat down and watched not one or two or three shows. You know, I mean, we've all done binge watching. So we don't necessarily need to do binge reading, but we could maybe instead of, an extra show, maybe go read for 20 minutes. 
Yeah. And I hear a couple things that you're saying here. So one of the things I hear you saying is be mindful of your time. And I want to talk about that in just a second because um, I, I have some ideas. But the second thing I hear you saying is like, don't feel like you've got to pull out war and peace and read a chapter. Absolutely. <laughs> or, I mean, you can, you can pull Absolutely. out war and peace and read a chapter, but it also counts to get uh, like, you know, the latest, um, edition of the commonplace quarterly and read a single article in there. Um, And we'll link to the commonplace quarterly in the show notes, but it's just, it's a Charlotte Mason uh, quarterly periodical that has some wonderful articles in there from homeschool moms. And so it's not war and peace, (laughs) but it's still uplifting and encouraging and really good material. And I think that's so important for moms to hear is that, you know, yeah, the front matter in a cookbook is there's some good reading there. There's probably some really good language in there. Maybe there's some interesting tidbits of things that they didn't know about making bread or, you know, the food in Tuscany or something like that. There, There's there's maybe an idea that they could grasp in there and kind of mull around in their brain. Um, and it still helps build the reading muscle, which I know we're going to talk about in just a little bit. I do have some tips that I want to talk about for uh, you were saying maybe watch one less show or stop scrolling your phone. And I realized that I carried my phone around with me all day, every day. Like I would pick up my phone in the morning and it would stay with me all day long. And I realized that I would not start reading more and stop scrolling until I had a book with me all day long. And so when I find myself, I don't do this all the time, but when I find myself turning to the phone more than the book or I'm not reading at all, um, I will pick up either my my Kindle. I have the little paper white Kindle now, so it's real thin and small. I'll pick up either that or I'll pick up a book and tuck it under my phone and carry both around with me all day long. So when I sit down, you know, and I'm like waiting for some kid to go to the bathroom in the middle of a spelling lesson (laughs) or you know how they do. Oh, look, the mail lady just came by. I'm going to run get the mail. I'm like, right now we're like right in the middle of math. You know, instead of reaching for my phone, I have a book to reach for. I have some alternative. And it was only until I started like carrying something around, like you have to carry something around with you. So you have something to pick up and read. If not, you're just going to do what's there, which is, you know, picking up your phone. And, you know, one of the main things I've noticed is people no longer read in the bathroom. And I, this is a funny little thing, but everybody just takes their phones with them to read something in the bathroom. And I was just thinking like, I just have a policy for myself is no phones in the bathroom. And so you can just have books stashed. Um, I strategically stash my own books around the house. And I really do choose purses based on how many books I can take with me. (laughs) Love it. So that way I am never without a book. I have a car book for waiting waiting room type things because now you can't wait in waiting rooms. And I have just books stashed beside my bed, down by my chair that I like to read in. You know, I have places and strategically put them there because like you said, I can carry my phone around with me 
um, or I can pick up a book. And so if I have them just kind of around, I can just grab one easily. It's, it's instead of the out of sight, out of mind on my bookshelf, which is nice. Yeah. I decorate with books as Misty Winkler says. And, um, <laughs> and so I decorate them and then that way I read them and they are front and center in my mind. Like, Oh, I see my history book that I was going to read a chapter of this week. I better go grab that, you know? So it's just putting it in our front of our faces. Cause that's really what our phones are is they're just in front of our faces all the time. So yeah, I just want yeah. to be more exposed to having books in front of my face. And some people would say, well, I've got the app on my phone. I could just open it up and read it, but I didn't. I mean, you know, if you're going to say that, that's fine, but are you really doing that? And so I wouldn't. And so I would, you know, scroll Facebook or something instead. And so it was only by actually having the book there and not doing the phone, you know, that um, it, it made it better for me. And I'll say that when my kids were little, I struggled a lot with prayer. And so one of the things that I did is I put, uh, I had a little prayer book. It was kind of a little, it had some prayers in there and it had kind of a little devotional and I kept it on the back of the toilet. And so, you know, that was the place that I could pick up my prayer book and read a prayer. And so I think, yeah, the book thing totally works. If you keep something there, then you're probably going to pick it up when you're in there. Yeah. Um, so, and I, you know, I'm kind of famous for my bubble bath books. That's right. So yeah, keeping a book on the side of the bathtub or something like that. So you can do that as well. It's one of my favorite places to read. The other thing I wanted to say was, and it may have been you who made me do this. I think it was you. We were talking about limiting beliefs and I had a limiting belief for the longest time that I could not read I won't say hard books or tough books, but like my limiting belief was I can't read at night because I'm, my brain is too tired. And so I was not getting uh, very far in reading books because I would tell myself, oh, you're just too tired. You can't read that at night. And I think this came out of um, not too long ago, Abby told me to just like let the book wash over me, like to don't worry about getting into every single word or understanding every single word. Don't get bogged down in the book. Just let the book wash over you. You can always go back and read it again. And I think that's where that came from. Oh, that's why I'm putting this with, you know, I'm kind of associating this with you. But I I realized that I had this limiting belief that I could, I didn't have the mental capacity to read at night. And so I had stopped reading things before bed. I had stopped reading things at night and I was just endlessly scrolling instead because my brain was tired and I couldn't do it. And I said, you know what? I'm I'm going to stop. I'm not going to have that belief anymore. And so I've been reading a five by five book every night before bed. That's great. Yeah. And it was, it was just getting rid of that limiting belief that made me able to do that again. And you know what I realized was you really can read at night before bed. It's it's not as hard as you were making it out to be. And the thing is, is we're we're rationalizing it, right? We think, well, a book is way harder, and I only want to, I only want to check Facebook or whatever social media outlet or you know whatever YouTube, and I just want to watch. I just want to check out, you know, numb, my, you know, vegetate for ten minutes. That's it. But what do we often do? We get sucked in and Mm -hmm. then we realize 30 minutes has gone by, right? Like there's nothing wrong with checking your, you know, 
entertainment and, and checking in on things. Like, I don't want to think, I don't want anyone to think that I like hate all social media. I do think that it is interesting and fun and people can really enjoy it and use it for good purposes. But what we need to do is just swap out this idea that reading is too hard or that two pages doesn't count, right? We need Mm -hmm. to give ourselves permission to be like, I'm only going to read for 10 minutes and then I'm going to go on Facebook for as however long I want. But we want to, you know, get into these habits where we're prioritizing the kind of life that we want to lead. Because I don't think anyone really wants to prioritize, unless maybe you're a social media influencer, which I have no desire to be. (laughs) I don't want my life to be lived as a Facebooker. I want the identity of a reader. And to do that, do you know what readers do? They read. They read. And that's it. And taking on that kind of moniker of a reader and even a reader who reads two pages, guess what? You're a reader um, because you took that time to do two pages. I love that. Uh, I love that idea of taking on that, uh, taking on that moniker of a reader and you only have to read two pages to to do that. So um, yeah. So kind of like shaping your identity. As a reader. Okay, so you've mentioned habits. You've mentioned many habits of reading a couple of different times. So I want to dive off into this because I think it's absolutely brilliant. Tell me, what is a mini habit of reading? So a mini habit is when, you know, you've talked about having a minimum viable day, like the things that are like your non negotiables that you just do, right? And Mm -hmm. that is great. What I want to talk about is a mini habit is, you know, so many times when we think of like New Year's resolutions or we think of, you know, a big change in our lifestyle, right? It's this big endeavor. And basically you have this ideal in your mind, like, well, every day I will read for 35 minutes and then I will come and place all the wonderful quotes I've read in beautiful handwriting in this beautiful leather bound book. And then I will go and discuss it with my book club. And in an ideal world, that would be fabulous. But we live in reality. And so what we need to do for many habits is we need to think of the worst case scenario type of day. Like baby blowout, fevers, um, toilet overflowing, you know, worst case scenario, that game, the worst case scenario handbook to survival guide. Like just think of your worst possible day. Dishes everywhere. You just got back from vacation and there's like 8,000 loads of laundry. And what is it that you could do that day? Could you read two pages? Could you read for five minutes? right? Even Mm -hmm. in your worst day, what would you be embarrassed not to do? Like when you start an exercise habit, people are like, well, I'm going to run three miles every day, or I'm going to run a mile every day. But if you, I'm going to tell you, I've never said that. (laughs) Well, for those people who have, have thought about (laughs) it, I'm going to run a mile every day, right? It was just, uh, we're in January when we're recording this. So most people, it's like January, what is it, 26th? So most people yeah. basically eliminate, they've, they've left all of their resolutions behind them in the dust because they started out with this ideal type. But what if you said you were only going to run 
two blocks every day, right? Which one, which one would be more successful? Like say you did start out a week and you did run a mile every day, but then, you know, you hurt your foot and so you didn't want to go running. And then three weeks later, you're like, well, I'll try again next year. And then you have 11 months of not doing doing anything. This I can relate to. Yeah. (laughs) Reading is the same way. We want to start something so small and sustainable that you could do it for the rest of your life, no matter how good or how bad the day is, right? Most people can read for five minutes. And the thing is, is like once you're in it, once you're reading and you've gotten five minutes, it probably just flows by you. And you're like, oh, look at that. I read 10 minutes. And that is great. You can celebrate that simple win and bonus points, right? Maybe on Sundays you have a more restful day. And so you got into a novel and you read for an hour. Boom. You got your five minute, you know, habit check if you want to check boxes, but then you got to have all of that wonderful, you know, benefit of being able to have some downtime. But there are seasons like when you have young kids and are nursing, you may not get more than five minutes, but most of us can get five minutes. So you want to start with something small, sustainable, that when you keep these things, when you keep these, you know, commitments to yourself of five minutes or two pages, whatever it may be, that that actually helps you with your motivation and your momentum right? You don't want to give up those streaks and it keeps you motivated. Like all I need to do is read two pages to meet my habit goal. And it's really, really amazing how many books you can read in a year by just finding those little pockets of time and just making that a habit. So have you ever done the math on this? Oh, probably. Oh, well, I have. I just did it with on my calculator. Oh, so. <laughs> So if we were to read five minutes a day, and that's like sticking to the bare minimum that you set for yourself. And like Abby says, like a lot of times we're going to keep going, right? Um, Then you're going to end up with 30 hours of reading in a year. That's um, that's a lot of books. That is, well, let's say about how many pages you think you read an hour? I want to say about 60 an hour. But even if we gave a mom you know, some grace because maybe she's distracted a lot and and said, what, 35 or 40? Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's 1200 pages. And Abby said the average book, well, let's just divide by 25 or 250. Yeah. So you're going to read almost five books in a year at five minutes a day. And you know what? That's five books that you haven't read. So, and I want to tell you, Pam, the, adult reading level, I think it's something dismal. Like after high school, the average person never reads a book again. Like like, I cannot imagine like 75% of people never read another book. And it may be, I may have my statistics off and you know, statistics they're skewed, but they say most people do not read much, maybe two books a year, maybe. And I know that homeschoolers and people who do morning bat, you know, your morning basket and things like that, they're obviously reading aloud to their children and they are getting through great literature with their children. But I think that it is also important as a mom and as a homeschooler to actually read something that is just for you. 
right? Something that you delight in and that is your way of, you know, kind of just keeping your intellectual life stimulated. Um, because yeah. you know, the years with little kids and stuff, it's um it's a lot of taking care of what needs to be cared for and nurturing. And that can be, you know, not a lot of intellectual stimulating ideas, you know. It's a wonderful ages and so fun with babies and toddlers, but it can leave you somewhat drained. And when you have really great ideas, even if there's just a few of them in the books that you're reading, it just becomes um, a great time to be able to think about those things and um, a great season of life because, you know, babies nurse and toddlers naps. And even though the you know, the, the idea to like, oh, I could just catch up while they're down and napping is so strong. You know, like I could get so much done, um, you know, ha- spending a few minutes reading as, and then taking care of business, you know, really does make life a lot more enjoyable, I think. Yeah. So let me ask you about audiobooks. Yes. Do they count? They totally they count. count? <laughs> I love audiobooks. And if you like audiobooks, then you should totally make those count. They absolutely count. Also, k- books that you read aloud to your kids count. The books that you're pre reading for homeschooling count. Um, good periodicals count, right? Um, cookbooks count them. Whatever it is that you know you are, are is giving you ideas and encouragement. And it's literature or some sort of interesting idea, an article, count it. Yeah. And I think it's important uh, to have like multiple books uh, on multiple levels going at one time. And what I mean by multiple levels is like, okay, so just as an example, uh, two of the books on my five by five list this year, um, one of them is the Alexander Hamilton biography from chair now. So I'm trying to finish this up. This is a huge book. That's a big book. I have it on my Kindle. So, and so I feel like I'm kind of lost in the weeds of this. I've looked down, I'm like only 50%. Gosh, it feels like I've been reading this thing forever. It's good though. I'm enjoying it. Um, And then I'm also working right now. I'm eating my frog and reading death of Christian culture by John senior not a very long book. That is one I am not picking up at night. And by having the two going at the same time, I am able to, uh, you know, read the John Senior book when I do, I am a little fresher and I'm doing my harder reading usually in the morning time and then uh, pick up the uh, the Hamilton biography at night because it's not a hard read. Uh, you know, Chair Now has a great, uh, really readable style for nonfiction. And, um, you know, it's just super easy to read. So I think having different kinds of books going, you know, some easier, some harder. I know Brandy talks about that. Yes. Um, it, it just makes it so then you don't feel like, well, I don't have to pick up the hard book to do my five minutes today. I can pick up the easy book to do my five minutes today. Yes. Um, and it, it totally counts. It's, it's something I can do. Yes. Having a variety of lengths and of challenges, we should keep some things light and fun. And we should have one harder book that challenges us. Um, You know, but, you know, taking into the account of your season of life, right? Sometimes it's, it's a great time to be a novel season. Sometimes it's 
more of a history or some sort of interest that you have. But um, yeah, having a variety is really, really helpful. And, you know, my books talk to each other. Sometimes I'm reading a history book and then I've hit on a literature and there's connections there and my reading life just comes alive. And the ideas just are that much better because I'm reading a variety of things. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, having a different variety of books, like committing yourself to five minutes a day, let's start there. Uh, And we've already talked about how far you can get, how many books you can read with only five minutes a day. So, you know, um, everything counts. So uh, we've mentioned five by five a couple of times during this. So tell us a little bit about uh, the Scully Sisters five by five challenge that we run. This is our second year running that. So tell me a little bit about that. And then I think there's like a variation this yes, year, right? Yes, we also have a three by three for the very tired moms. So the idea, this was um, Misty Winkler's brainchild um, because she was very frustrated at a year where she just didn't read very much. And so she decided to challenge herself and then, of course, challenge all of us to reading five books in five different categories because... Um, you know, as Scully sisters, we believe that you should read widely, think deeply, and apply faithfully um, those things that you are reading. And so reading widely and broadly means that you take one of your subjects and then you pick five books in that category so that you actually get some depth. And maybe it's something that you've never learned about before or maybe it's something that you just want to know more about. Um, This year, one of mine is The Medieval World, and I am reading two different versions of Beowulf, and I am reading Susan Wise Bauer's The Medieval World, and I am reading The Inferno by Dante, and then I have one other selection that I haven't quite decided on, but I wanted to have kind of a historical um, perspective and that's why I'm reading Susan Weisbauer's um, history book. And then I'm reading some shorter um, literature from that time, right? Beowulf will not take me very long because it is not very long. And so I am going to really enjoy those. And then I have, you know, a homemaking one where I have a cookbook and some other things like the supper of the lamb and some other things. But Um, There are so many different books and we have so many great ideas at the sistership and people are putting out their ideas still. But the idea is that we take a year to read 25 books and it's amazing how many people have been able to do this by just reading a little bit every day. Um, If you could only do the three by three, maybe it's been a while and you're out of the habit of reading, um, you know, the three by three would be a great um, option and you can pick shorter books. So, because like you said, we could finish five books if they were all 250 pages. A lot of books right now, especially like some practical ones, are maybe only 150 mm-hmm. pages. So, we definitely could read, you know, um, three by three, which is nine books, totally doable for most people, even in um, a frantic, you know, extreme circumstances of life, right? We can, we can do this. Yeah. And so, okay, if your Abby's uh, category, medieval category is uh, a little intimidating to you, (laughs) 
<laughs> Let me tell you about one of mine. So one of my categories is uh, Lewis and Tolkien, a bromance for the ages. I know Pam has the best names for hers. <laughs> Well, you know, that's part of the fun of it for me is to come up with really great names for my categories. (laughs) So I have never finished, do not hate me, everyone. I have never read Fellowship of the Ring. So I've read The Hobbit, but I've never read Fellowship. I've started it uh, a few years ago and I read a couple chapters and I just got pulled off probably scrolling my phone. (laughs) It was before Abby got a hold of me. And um, so I'm going to finish Fellowship this year. Actually, I'm going to start back at the beginning and read the whole thing. So Fellowship of the Ring, I one of the Narnia books I've never read is The Silver Chair. So those are two on my list. And you know, The Silver Chair, children's book, not that hard. Um, the Screwtape Letters, that's one of uh, Tolkien's that I've always wanted to read. I've heard that's great on audio, by the way. Okay. So maybe I'll make that one, uh, one of my audio purchases. Um, Frodo's Journey, uh, which is a Joseph Pierce book of just about the literature of uh, Fellowship of the Ring. And then uh, A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War, heard, because I kind of wanted yeah. that historical perspective. I've heard great yeah. things about that book. So none of those are Dante. None of those are uh, Beowulf or anything <laughs> like that. You know, even though Beowulf's shorter, it is, you know, you get into the Middle English and stuff and it's it's a little harder. But, um, or is that Old English? I can't remember. But it is a little more challenging. So my category, if you were to take just three of those, you know, even if you were to just do Fellowship, Silver Chair, and screw tape, I mean, two of those three are probably fairly fast reads. Yes. So... But yeah, it, I think it's such a, a great thing to just kind of get your juices flowing. And if if the five by five is kind of, if you just want to start smaller, I do think the three by three is something that could be done. It is only nine books. And um, I love the idea of your books talking to each other and reading multiple books. And I will say that like people find really unique ways. I think that's part of the fun of it for some people is you know, I have these nine books I want to read. How can I fit the categories together to uh, to make them work? Yes. And I mean, as much as we love to promote buying books, the one of the things that um, the reason behind the five by five is because we looked at all of our bookshelves and we saw all these books yes. that are on our to be read piles and we kept buying more books and not reading them. So that was part of it is you shop your shelves and try and find categories that your books can fit into and the books that you already own. So this doesn't have to cost anything. This doesn't mean you have to go out and buy new books. You can actually choose the books and you can reread books. Yes. Maybe you have a favorite book that you haven't read in many, many years and and that would be a great place to start, right? And you could even have it called Books to Reread. And you just pick out five of your favorite or three of your favorite books. Um, there really isn't any hard and fast rules other than, you know, you're just trying to challenge yourself to read a little bit more and to read a little more broadly. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love that idea of uh, books to reread. I should have done that. But so much of my, uh, I think I'm vi- I'm buying very few of the books that are on my list. Most of them I have, you know, already. So um, yes, yeah. 
Okay. So what about, so we've thrown out some things like Dante and Beowulf and, um, you know, uh, Lewis and Tolkien and, and different things like that. What are some tips for the mom who used to read more challenging material, but now she's like, I can't handle those harder books. <laughs> well, then I think finding some practical how-to books are actually a great um, place to start, right? Um, I think that there are some great books, maybe in areas that you struggle, right? Maybe you really do struggle with um, being on your phone too much and you want to stop that. Two really great books that I'm going to recommend are Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. And the other one is called Indistractable by Nir, and I think it's pronounced Al, but it's N-I-R is his first um, name. And he has a blog called Near and Far, and he is quite good too. So those are two great books talking about doing things offline and scheduling and prioritizing. So I find that most modern books um, tend to be a little bit easier and get right to the point right away. Whereas older books um, maybe take a little bit of time to get into, or at least 150 pages to get into it and can be a little slower. And so not as motivating. So, you know, maybe read a bestseller mystery fiction book. Um, maybe read something that, um, you know, your, your neighbor or your friend recommended. Um, it doesn't have to be all this scholastic or, um, you know, snobby literature, which I did sound like I was being snobby, but I'm really not. I read a ton of <laughs> business and how-to books and I love those as well. So, um, just finding something that interests you. Maybe you are struggling with house management. There are some great homemaking books out there and that could maybe help you get your priorities in line so that you can read more um, or, or at least help you manage things. Or yeah, feel better about. Uh, yeah, yeah, feel better about. Yeah. And, and just maybe figuring out some systems. You know, there's lots of people out there who struggle with homemaking as well. So there are, you know, solutions for those things. Well, let me ask you a little bit. You mentioned uh, The Supper of the Lamb, which has been recommended to me so many times. And I'm like, I yes. need to, I don't need to buy it because it's not on my five by five list. <laughs> Yes. But, um, and then you mentioned another kind of cookbook. So do you, what's your category for those? So that one is home and hospitality. Okay. Hospitality is a big part of our life and our family culture. Um, and it's something that we've worked at for years and years. This is not something that just we plan on doing. I personally really like cooking, but I am always finding, um, I would like to know more about the science and art of cooking. And so I have a couple books. One is a Nigella Lawson mm -hmm. um, cookbook that's coming out this spring. And she is a beautiful writer as well as um, makes really great ideas in the kitchen. So I'm looking forward to that one when it comes out. And then the supper of the lamb is Robert Capon. And I, you know, when people start recommending a book to you, but then five other people recommend it mm -hmm. to you. You're like, yeah. okay, I need to buy that one. So I did end up getting that one. And um, since we are 
sheep ranchers, I do, I do have a hookup for lamb. And so I'm super excited because I guess he has a couple lamb recipes in there and I'm always looking for good um, ways to prepare lamb. And he talks a lot about the philosophy of cooking. And I love that. Um, I have another one called salt, fat, acid, heat, which is um, kind of a primer on how to perfectly salt food, why you need to add acid to food, why you need fat to cook food and why heat is so important. And I think there was even like a Netflix documentary on the person who drew, who um, wrote this cookbook. It's beautifully illustrated. It's a fun read and I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. So, so many good books in a category, like, you know, that's not a snobby category at all. So. No, it's very practical and um, it makes me a better hostess, right? And it gives me better tips and it just improves my life and my children's lives, like better food, right? This is, this is serving other, other people like me reading this cookbook will actually be better for my family. Yeah. And just like when I read literature, I have more interesting things to say and have better conversation, which actually helps my family culture. So reading is really beneficial to not just myself, but others. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to make a couple suggestions uh, for the mom who's struggling with reading harder books and like, where do I start? So I read through the entire Mitford series a couple of years ago. And those are wonderful books. And, you know, I can remember like, you know, Dawn and uh, Misty and Brandy and I having these conversations, are they living books or not? And we came to the conclusion that indeed they were uh, living books and they're written by a modern author and they're just really, really good. And so very readable, very easy to read, uh, but very worthy. They were my bubble bath book for um, quite some time. And then Wendell Berry is... uh, a good place to start as well. If you're like, well, I can't, I love Wendell Berry. Yeah. Can't jump into Chaucer or Dante, but you know, Wendell Berry is, is definitely readable with some wonderful language and some wonderful ideas uh, as well. And children's literature too. There is some great children's literature. Yeah, definitely. Like finishing all the Narnia books. Yes, for sure. uh, Would certainly be something to do. And and there, there is, there is some really great, kids lit out there as well. Let me ask you this. Do you think that you can strengthen your reading muscle? Absolutely. It's, it's like anything else, right? Back to the exercise analogy, Pam, Mm because I know you love it so Mm -hmm. much, but if you were to tell yourself to read 10 push-ups a day, and let's say 10 push-ups equals reading crime and punishment or some other Russian literature, (laughs) right? You would probably give up really soon. But if I told you, you, I'm pretty sure barring an actual physical, you know, impediment, every single person could do a push-up. Now, whether that's on your knees or maybe even against a countertop or some elevation, right? Every single person could do some form of a push-up. And you could do it every day for the rest of your life. And you would probably get to actually doing a real push-up or multiple push-ups if you just kept doing it. Reading is the same way. Maybe the first five minutes you try it, you're like, I am so out of shape and I can't do it. But the next day it gets easier. The next day it gets easier. And as you grow your intellectual life, you are able to tackle those bigger books, right? 
maybe Beowulf is out of the realm of possibilities right now. And that's okay. But you could start with Greek myths. You could start with um, something that is interesting, that is not hard, but could um, really get you to where you want to go. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think something to keep in mind, you know, let's say you were to, to go and pick up, let's say Pride and Prejudice tomorrow and you were to start reading it. And I'm going to tell you, you know, people think of Pride and Prejudice as a girly book, but it's not always the easiest thing to read. Um, there's a lot of dialogue in there, a lot of going back and forth, a lot of mannerisms and uh, things, context that the author assumes that we know about and um, things that we don't understand. And um, so like there's a bunch of things going on in this book and that makes it a little more difficult to follow the plot of the book. And it's easy to get bogged down and get lost in it. It's okay to go watch the movie first. Yes. I mean, it's okay to read an adaptation first to like to read a plot summary or um, to go and, uh, you know, to to watch a good movie version. I'm going to say, you know, probably don't go watch Pride, Prejudice and Zombies. I mean, that's a totally different book. (laughs) (laughs) Or what was the Bollywood one? It was a lot of fun. Oh, Um, I don't know. I probably bride and prejudice or something. Yeah, like that. something like that. I, Olivia and I watched it. And it was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed watching the whole uh, takeoff on Pride and Prejudice. Don't watch that one. Watch one of the other ones, but watch it first. And so then you know the plot, and then you feel like you can get in there and really enjoy um, some of the story. I was talking with Angelina Stanford, and I can't remember what where we were talking about this or what we were talking about, or it may have even been in the literature class that I took with her. Um, where she was talking about this, but she was saying that the idea of spoilers is kind of a new concept that, you know, back in the day, if you're reading like the Odyssey or Shakespeare or something like that, they tell you how the story is going to end. Like think about the prologue to Romeo and Juliet, you know, going into this, everybody's going to (laughs) die. Right. And so, you know, give up that idea of I can't know how this ends and then do something that's going to help you to understand the book and enjoy the book more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. And I still do that with things. Um, I'm going to look over a plot summary before I tackle Beowulf. And I am after I read The Inferno by Dante, I'm going to listen to Anthony Esselin's lectures on The Inferno because I know I'm not getting any, all of it and I'm letting it wash over me. Like I have other things that I'm doing. I will often read plot summaries for Shakespearean plays mm-hmm. um, from Sparknotes, right? We have all of these wonderful resources and to just give up before we've even tried that's that's not a good excuse. So there's lots of options that we need to exhaust first before we ditch um, great literature that we want to read, right? Yeah. I have no problem ditching bad books, <laughs> but good ones, we should endeavor to do our best to try and get through them. It may take us a long time and that's okay. Maybe we're only reading two pages a day and it takes us, you know, a year and a half to get through. That's okay. It still counts but it is worth the effort and it is worth our time to make it a habit. 
Yeah. And I, I think we get in our, our heads that it's cheating. And I think that the thing, I think the biggest takeaway for any mom who's listening to this podcast is there's no wrong way to do it. There's no cheating, right? Yeah. At yeah. all. <laughs> counts. I mean, if, yeah, there, I mean, there's plenty of bad books and you shouldn't, you know, don't read the twaddle as we say, right? Yeah. But reading benefits our lives and audiobooks. Yeah. Everything counts, Pam. Yeah. Everything counts. Yeah. So what if uh, a mom is listening to this and she's like, okay, I want to give this a try. I want to just try reading five minutes a day, but she doesn't know what she wants to read. You know how, like, maybe she hasn't read, maybe she's one of the people who hasn't read since high school, or maybe she's only been reading picture books to her very young kids or something like that. Um, how can a mom go about finding her personal reading taste and finding books that she actually likes to read? Well, we have a great uh, community at Sistership, and that's um, the scolysisters.com. You can go find more out about that. We even have a free area, and you can just ask people for book recommendations and be prepared to be bombarded yes. <laughs> by all the wonderful things. But shop your shelves. You probably have some books. Um, I would say go to the library, but for my my own self, uh, our library is still closed. They do deliver books to my front door, which is pretty awesome. But um, bookstores are open right now. So you could always go and ask, but you know, there's lots and lots of places that you can do. But one recommend I would, I think everyone should read that I just finished recently is a memoir type book. And it is called 84 Charing Cross Road by Helene Hanf, H-A-N-F-F. And it is only about 67 pages and it is a book of letters and it is absolutely delightful and everyone should read it. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. There's a place to start. It's a short book. It's a book of letters. Um, I've heard wonderful things about that book as well. It's uh, also great on audio if you can get it. Oh, interesting. Do they have different readers reading? They them? have different readers reading. One, the, the main character or the main person in the book is from New York. And so she has a great East Coast accent. And then the person she is corresponding with is British. And he has just this very posh, very British accent. And it is lovely. Oh, interesting. Okay. I may have to start a new category for my five by five called <laughs> books. Abby said I need to listen to on audio. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, because that one sounds really good. Cause I don't know that one would not fit in any of my other categories. I don't think I'm going to have to go look. Well, it wasn't on my category, my list either, but it was recommended and I am so glad I've read it this year and it's short enough that you know what? You should just add it. Because just it's so add good. It. Yeah, there you go. Just add it. Just add just it. read it. Yeah, and I think in I'm going to say I think Scully Sisters is probably one of my like, you know, forgetting recommendations or asking the moms either in the Scully Sisters community or in, you know, my own community, the Your Morning Basket yes. community, I could ask the same question there and we could get just tons of answers. Um actually, I was perusing a thread in there today and somebody mentioned a book and I'm like, "Oh, that sounds like a really good book. So talking to your friends about what they're reading certainly is is a way to go. You know, just reach out to to people and and ask and let them know the kinds of things you like. You know, if homemaking and hospitality is not your cup of tea, then, you know, tell them what you do like and you can certainly find something. One of my favorite kind of genres of books to read is uh like um uh, 
historical books that are even modern history. I love to read books about the space race back in the 50s and the 60s. Um, I have read so many different books from that period of time about what America was doing at that time and in the space race and about the astronauts. And um, I read Hidden Figures last year and just absolutely loved it. Uh, you know, loved the movie too, but certainly loved the book. And people had said, oh, it's too sciencey. Nope. Absolutely. Just dug into all of that different stuff. So, you know, look at your interests and there are books out there about any interests that you could possibly have. Yes. There are more people like you out there who have written about things that you like. Yeah. Yeah. So just find those recommendations and you're going to be able to find something. And I think it like, if you haven't read in a long time and you don't know what kind of things that you like to read, I would like to give you permission that like, don't get so caught up in a book, like give a book a chance get a few chapters in. And like Abby said, those older books, you probably are going to have to get a good 150 pages into them. They are slow to start. Yeah. My rule of thumb is 50 pages for a modern novel and 150 for older. Okay. So 50 for modern and then 150 for older. But if you find yourself not wanting to read because this is your only book, then give yourself permission to either drop it entirely or put it aside for yes. a long period of time if you need to. I've done that. I've started books and then put them aside for a, you know, like a couple of years and then picked them up and finished them um, or started again and finished them. So uh, don't, let, don't let a single book become a, a stumbling block for you uh, in building that reading habit. So Abby, got any other encouragement or words of advice before we go? Oh, let's see. You know, reading is a great hobby <laughs> and it's great because you can take it with you anywhere and you, it really doesn't cost that much. You can go to your library and people are always giving away books and things and you can borrow them from friends. So, you know, reading really is something that gives back to you and it, the interest just, it's just compounding interest, um, you know, because the more you read, um, the more ideas and interests you have and, you know, it's, it's a benefit to, for yourself, but also for your family. Um, I know that the, one of the main things about Charlotte Mason, she talked about how a mom needs to cultivate her own intellectual life because by the time you get to high school, if you're not able to read and discuss the things that, um, you know, your high school or your high schooler is reading, you're going to be like a stagnant pool and they're not going to have, you're not going to have as much to talk um, about, you know, talk to with your kids. Right. And that's one of the things that I just always loved about that is that, um, you know, we want to, yes, take care of our children, their needs, nurture them, you know, make sure they're, they're growing up, but we don't stop there. Right. We don't, we don't stop the intellectual part just because they're not with us. And, you know, any book reading that you have uh, or any time you have for, for reading books, you know, and it, you just grow. And by the time your kids are teenagers, you know, you have such wonderful conversations with them about interesting ideas that you're both reading. You know, my oldest is 16 now. The bio was a little off, but <laughs> he's 16. And 
he is doing some college classes and we are just having the most amazing conversations about so many things. And, um, it's just really great. And he respects my opinion and we have, um, some really interesting, um, debates because he loves to argue. (laughs) (laughs) Most 16 year old boys do. So yes. Yeah. But you're able to have those debates because yes. you've kind of marinated in these ideas. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I love it, Abby. Thank you so much. And I did want to point out, if you're looking for a place to start, one of the things that Scully Sisters has is kind of a pre-filled list for the five by five. And do they have one for the three by three as well? I don't think we did anything for the three by three, but um, so many people have posted pictures of their own five by five challenge lists. And there are just wonderful books of all different kinds um, available for people to look and get ideas. And, um, you know, you can, you can start with just filling out partial ones and then add to it throughout the year. We always say you can change it. Yes. You know, it's, it's not set in stone. Um, but we're just trying to encourage people to read broadly. And this is just a fun way where we can um, encourage one another to do that. I love it. And you just like morning time, this is a habit you want to, you know, start small, build slow. And before you know it, you'll have made a huge, huge difference um, in your own reading life. So Abby, tell everybody where they can find you online. I am at scolasisters.com. And you can also email me at abby at scolasisters.com. I'm mostly in sistership and I am active pretty much every week. I will put a question or poll and I also have an accountability group for the five by five challenge participants where you can post your goals weekly. I post what I'm reading and we just kind of encourage one another to set goals and intentions for the week. Um, of our reading so we can stay on track and it's working out really, really well. Lots of books are already being finished. Perfect. So meeting those goals uh, five minutes at a time. I absolutely love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Pam. It was a delight to talk with you. And there you have it. Now, if you would like links to any of the resources or books that Abby and I talked about today, and there were quite a few of them, so it'll be fun perusing those. You can find them on the show notes for this episode of the podcast. Those are at pambarnhill.com forward slash YMB89. And we also will include a link to the Scully Sisters community over there for you. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another great morning time interview, this time with homeschool mom, Dechelle McFay, who brings her travel into her homeschooling. This was such a fun, inspiring podcast interview, and I think you are going to love it. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Until then, keep seeking truth, goodness, and beauty in your homeschool day. Thank you.